So I came at Pastor Keith, I came to a Bible study, y'all. I was definitely a heathen uh, then, looking back on it. Um, but I met Pastor Keith uh, at Ohio State, and I just kept running into him. It was, it was, I don't know, it, it was, it was fate, I guess. Uh, uh, oddly enough, I get most of my uh, message and my word and from Pastor through basketball, believe it or not. Like, we play every Tuesday. Uh, they have a league, all the dads that go to uh, my kids' school play on Tuesday night. So I just invited Pastor and just kept coming. And so, uh, and so now it's like if I show up, there's like everybody's asking, well, where, where Pastor Keith? I'm like, well, I thought I was the one. <laughs> but no, it is great because um, sometimes I, lately I haven't been getting the opportunity to make it to church. So Pastor has definitely been challenging me and saying that I need to find some day to be my Sunday. Um, <clears throat> today, so... I just want to, um, I got a, some sheets for you guys, and, and I want to talk about the strength of the man. So I just got back from Orlando on a golf trip, and it sounds fun, and it is, but it's so much more than just a golf trip. And it's ironic that this week we're talking about the strength, the strength of a man. So this trip, my father... And it was, it was five of them. We call them the OGs. It was five guys. And they, they started this golf trip. They were like, they knew each other. They were firemen. My father was a fireman. So he had some buddies and they took up golfing. And so they had the opportunity. They would drive down to Myrtle Beach. Now it's five guys going to Myrtle Beach. And so now we would, as kids, they've been doing this trip since I was, I'm 40 now. They've been doing this trip since I was five years old. So it's really important, and it's a tradition. And uh, I will remember as a kid that back in those days when we would go to the airport, we didn't even need a ticket. We would just walk right in and go up to the gate, and we'd be so excited to see my dad come out. And now the name of the, the, name of the trip is called Generations Championship because we came up with the idea because now that I'm old enough, like my crew and my friends come on the trip now. So it went from five guys in a hotel room. We would combine the rooms together and call that Golf Central, where everybody come and hang out. To now, we have about 30 guys, or if not more, and we get two houses, and we just fellowship. Like, it's so interesting to hear, like, the stories of these guys and the things that they've been, to, been through and have overcome it is so powerful if y'all can hear these stories and it's almost like I couldn't believe it it's almost like are you serious so I just thought about that we mentioned the trip yesterday I didn't win but I get so much more out of it than just winning I am a competitor but when I reflect back it's it's so much more than that because eventually my boys will be coming on this trip so uh, that's something I just wanted to share. Um, I'm also going to be talking about my experiences and, and some of the things that I had to uh, deal with 
and my process. Um, so Philippians 4, 3, uh, 4.13, I can do all things in him that strengthen me. James 3.17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated or to ask for, full of mercy and good fruits without variance, discrepancy, without hypocrisy, uh, meaning principles that one doesn't really possess. Proverbs 2.8, that he may guard the paths of justice and preserve the way of his saints. So these are some of the verses that resonate with me when it comes to a man's role and being the, the strength of a man. Uh, I heard Minister Lamar say the three G's. Uh, as a man, we have to guide, guard, and governor. Um, and I try to live by those principles. So I want to start off and I want to talk about, about Job. So his friends accused him of sin. His wife told him to curse God and die, and Job never did find out the reason why God allowed him to suffer so much loss. He lost his children, his wealth, his health, his crops, his livestock, and even the relationship with his wife and best friends, who, turned, who actually turned on him and accused him of, of, of suffering because of his sins. Uh, so I want to uh, actually, let's turn to Job 42. So I was giving you a little brief description of the story because it's a, it's a pretty long story, but it's a powerful one too. So where I'm going with this is I wanted to, because uh, we all can relate to Job because we all had to overcome some stuff. Um, and because we overcame those things, we became better men because of it. So let's go to Job 42. So I picked the last chapter because it's, it's important. So this is Job's confession. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no thought or purpose of yours can be restrained. You said to me, who is this that darkens and obscures counsel by words without knowledge? Therefore, I now see I have uttered that which I do not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I do not know. Here, please, and I will speak. I will ask you, and you instruct and answer me. I had heard of you only by the hearing of the ear, but now my spiritual eye sees you. Therefore, I retract my words and hate myself, and I repent in dust and ashes. So the next part, God is displeased with Job's friends. 
It came about that after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, that the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is kindly against you and against your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. Now, therefore, take yourselves seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer up a burnt offering for yourselves. And my servant Job will pray for you, for I will accept him and his prayer so that I may not deal with you according to your folly because you have not spoken of me that thing that is right. As my servant Job has, so Eliphaz the Terminite and Bildad the Shuite and Zephar the Namathite. Y'all got to excuse me on this one. And did as the Lord told them. And the Lord accepted Job's prayer. Now this is, this is the, the highlight for me. Is that God restores, restores Job's fortunes. The Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then all his brothers and sisters and all who had known him before came to him and they ate bread with him in his house. And they counseled him and con con uh, con conforted him all over distressing adversities that the Lord had brought him. And each one gave him a piece of money and each a ring of gold and the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He had seven sons, three daughters, and he called the name of the first daughter Jemima, and the name of the second Keziah, and the name of the third, Karen Hapuch. In all the land, there were found no women so fair as the daughters of Job. And their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and his grandsons four generations so Job died an old man and full of days. So that I get excited because no matter how bad things can be, there's always the light is at the end of the tunnel. We talked, uh, I may have said it yesterday, that you have to get through the rain to see the rainbow. And another saying that I've, I've always heard is that what doesn't kill you will definitely make you stronger. So just keep this story in mind um, because I want to talk about some of my situations and, and hopefully we all can get something from this. So there's, you ever reflect back and think like there has been some situations that 
has happened in your life where you like, man, I don't even know how I got out of that. I don't know how I made it home that night, but I did. So there's, sometimes there's no explanation. It's only God. It's only God. So there were plenty of moments in my life where I was prepared and I expected an outcome. You study for a test thoroughly. You practice for a game thoroughly that when that game happens or that test happens, you expect a certain outcome. Um, but there's also moments where you're not as prepared, or you could be as prepared, but it's only God that got you through. My senior year, and some of you heard this story before, my senior year, I was, uh, I played, I played uh, defensive, I played, I played corner my whole life. And my senior year, I had scholarships to go pretty much any school to my liking. I wanted to go to Ohio State, and what's, and what's so funny is, I wanted to go there from day one, and they was the ones who didn't really offer me to late. So it was, it was funny. That's another story, too. Uh, my dad actually chewed John Cooper, who was a head coach at that time, chewed him off to the point where I thought I wasn't going there. <laughs> so and it was, uh, he, had it, he had it coming. Um, I wanted to go there, I was being recruited, but I couldn't accept any scholarship because my SAT scores wasn't high enough. So it's like I got all these schools to pick from and it's right there, but I can't touch it because my, my scores wasn't high enough. So my junior year, my coach, got me into a camp. I ended up going to Ohio State. So I went to Ohio State for a camp and I had a, I actually had a broken hand. I had a cast on my whole hand. I had broke it playing basketball out of all sports. So I had a cast and I'm at the camp. Well, I'm talking about we got kids from California, Texas, Florida, you know, and it is very competitive. And me, <clears throat> me being the competitor I am, I didn't, I didn't actually play like I had a cast on my head. <laughs> so I'm at the camp, and these guys, I got a bag. I had a bag, a plastic bag over my cast from keeping it from getting wet. And everybody, I'm just, we had one-on-ones, and I wanted to go against the best person. I didn't care if I had one hand. I wanted to go against the best, whoever they said was the best receiver, that's who I wanted. So I'm locking down everybody. And they're like, who is this kid with this one arm? So later on, now I'm at the camp by myself. And John Cooper brings me into the back off into his office. And then he offers me a scholarship. And so I definitely accepted it. But I was there by myself. So I, t I, call, I call my dad. And I told him, you know, I had a good performance and I was showing out. And Coach Cooper brought me in and he offered me a scholarship. I accepted. He said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Back up again? I said, I accept the scholarship. He's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> he drove 
from Cleveland to Columbus, which is like two hours, he drove down there to chew into his tail. He went to the office. He didn't, he asked where John Cooper was and went to the office. And I wasn't even in there. All I know is that I could hear him like giving it to him. So I'm like thinking like, dang, I'm not gonna be going to this school. But he had no problems with him afterward because he actually just told him the truth. Like, my son been wanting to go here and you guys knew who he was and didn't want to recruit him. And now that he comes here and show out, now you want to recruit him. So he just basically told him the truth. And uh, but getting back to, I got sidetracked, but getting back to the SAT score, I took this test six or seven times. And it wasn't lack of preparation. For some reason, I just couldn't get it. So I thank, uh, I thank God for putting men in my life uh, like you guys, like Pastor Keith, uh, my high school football coach, Dave Sadmack. Oh, my goodness. If it wasn't for him, I don't really know if I'd have went that route. Walked, not saying I still wouldn't have made it, but I don't know. He helped me tremendously. He, uh, he was very resourceful. He got me in classes. So I was waking up at 5.30, getting to the school at 6, get my workout in. Then I would go to the library, finish up on some homework, go through school. I would probably practice for about 15, 20 minutes every day for the football season. I would leave practice and go take these night classes. So I'm not getting home to like, 9, 30, 10 o'clock most days. And I would get up and do it every day. Every day. So I'm studying on how it's not that I didn't know the answers. It's, you know, it's like these tests, they'll ask you a question in five different ways. It's the same answer. So it's not that I didn't know the answers. I just didn't, I just, it didn't click. So I took this, it was, it was moments where I would be in there the Saturday of a football game. I'm talking about taped up, pads on. Um, I got my helmet on the table. I was taking SATs test at my school right before I had to go to a football game. And so it came down to the last test. And I passed the test, but I looked back and like, only guy, because I had studied and studied I had sacrificed, oh my goodness. And it was so much pressure that was like building up. Like I have to get this, like I wanted it that bad. And only God is the explanation for that. Only God. So actually Ephesians 3.20, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us that's the explanation that is the explanation um, I reflect back and there's another situation this was actually my freshman year I was coming back home and uh, we had won the sugar bowl I'm not sure when we got our rings, but we got our rings that year. And the Sugar Bowl is hosted in New Orleans. 
who we actually should have been number one. Uh, but I was came back home. We had a break. I came back home, and I was in town for a birth. I went to a birthday party while I was home, a friend's birthday party. So I'm getting ready to leave, and I'm outside on the sidewalk talking to some friends, and I was robbed. I, um, but I was robbed, but believe it or not, I was robbed by those who, were, who was hired to protect and serve. I was robbed by the police. And so I was probably 18. I never told this story. I told my father this story like years later because he was a Cleveland fireman. And he, he was kind of, he was, he was angry. And at the time I was angry. I was young. I was angry. I was scared. I was nervous. I was shook. So I was outside this birthday party. And I was leaving, actually, when the police just rolled up. No lights. I thought they was going to hit us. It was three guys that I was uh, talking to. And they walked right up to me, handcuffed me, and put me in the back of the squad car with the other two, uh, my other two friends. And uh, I was the only one in handcuffs. So, but before they put me in, they emptied out my pockets. Uh, they, they, I had my ring on. They took that off. And then they started looking at it like, oh, you play for Ohio State, this and that, this and that. And I vaguely even remember what their faces looked like. I vaguely remember. But I'll never forget what they told me. They said, um, I had all my stuff on their dash. And they said, uh, you got two options. Either we're going to take you in or this right here is going to be our lunch money. So I said, y'all can have it. It wasn't really worth it. I let y'all can have it. So they let me go. And I look back on that. Like, things could have been so much, could have went south from there. Because we all know or hear stories about police brutality, police killing. African Americans especially, unjust. And I just thank God, like looking back, like I'm glad, like he got me, I can't explain it. He got me out of that situation, only God. And let's turn to Isaiah 41, 10 and 11. Do not fear anything, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Be assured I will help you. I will certainly take hold of you with my righteous hand, a hand of justice, of power, of victory, and salvation. And that is how I can explain how I was unharmed out of that squad car. Um, God is, God is good. God is good. It's, some things can't be explained. It's just God. It's just God. Um, and we as men have to have quick recognition. Uh, Pastor Keith talks about that all the time. Like We see things you have to recognize, pick up. For me, I'll use an example for my wife. Like Quick recognition. She, she's 
you know, women tend to be on the phone more, social media, they text, they talk. I'm not really a talker uh, as far as come on the phone, but quick recognition is I'll send my wife a text, hey, I was just thinking about you. I could be on the golf course. Hey, you was running across my mind. How you doing? Or have a good day. So those are things that uh, Pastor Keith talked about when uh, it comes to quick recognition. So those, those are my experience that I want to explain that God is the reason for, for a lot of these things. And what we used to do uh, when I played, and I'm pretty sure they did it on, on the teams that you play with, is that we would have a fellowship just like this the night before the game in the hotel. And at the end of the meeting, uh, we would play a, a, a film to get us kind of a highlight film of ourselves going to this game. So without further ado, can we hit the lights? And then um, Marcus, we could play it from the very beginning. And this is something that I like to listen to that motivates me. It just gives me goosebumps and it inspires me. And I hope that we can all take something from this. And I'm excited about the Q&A, really. I was 20 years old. I was at my lowest point. And then one day, and I remember the exact day, March 27, 1975, I was helping my mother in her beauty shop. My mother owned a beauty shop up in Mount Vernon. And there's, there was this older woman who was uh, considered one of the elders in the town. And I didn't know her personally, but I, I was looking in the mirror. And every time I looked at the mirror, I could see her behind me. And she was staring at me. She just kept looking at me. Every time I looked at her, she kept giving me these strange looks. So she finally took the dryer off her head and said, to some, she said something I'll never forget. First of all, she said, somebody give me a piece of paper. Give me a piece of paper. She said, young boy, I have a prophecy, a spiritual prophecy. She said, you are going to travel the world and speak to millions of people. I began at Fordham University as a pre-med student. I, 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 I took a course called the cardiac morphogenesis. I couldn't read it. I couldn't say it. I sure couldn't pass it. <laughs> so then I decided to go into pre-law, then journalism. And with no academic focus, my grades took off in their own direction. I was a 1.8 GPA one semester. And the university very politely suggested that it might be better to take some time off. I found that nothing in life is worthwhile unless you take risks. Nothing. Nelson Mandela said, there is no passion to be found playing small and settling for a life that's less than the one you're capable of living. Fail big. You will fail at some point in your life, accept it. You will lose. You will embarrass yourself. You will suck at something. There's no doubt about it. In the acting business, you fail all the time. Early on in my career, I auditioned for a part in a Broadway musical. Perfect role for me, I thought. So I'm, I'm in the wings. I'm about to go on stage. But the guy in front of me, he's singing like, like, like Pavarotti. And I'm just shrinking. I'm getting smaller and smaller. So they say, oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. And you'll be hearing from us. 
So I come out with my little sheet music, and so I assumed I didn't get the job. But the next part of the audition, he called me back. The next part of the audition is the acting part of the audition. Now I'm like, hey, okay, maybe I can't sing, but I know I can act. So they pair me with this guy, and again, I didn't know about musical theater. And musical theater is big, so they can reach everyone all the way in the back of the, of the stadium. And I'm more from a realistic, uh, naturalistic kind of acting where you, you know, you actually talk to the person next to you. So I, I don't know what my line was. My line was, well, hand me the cup. And his line was, well, I will hand you the cup, my dear. The cup will be there to be handed to you. I didn't get the job. But here's the thing. I didn't quit. I didn't fall back. I walked out of there to prepare for the next audition, and the next audition, and the next audition. I prayed. I prayed. And I prayed. But I continued to fail, and fail, and fail. But it didn't matter, because you know what? There's an old saying, you hang around the barbershop long enough, sooner or later you're going to get a haircut. So you will catch a break, and I did catch a break. Last year, I did a play called Fences on Broadway. Someone talked about it. Won the Tony Award. But here's the kicker. It was at the Court Theater. It was at the same theater that I failed that first audition 30 years prior. Reggie Jackson struck out 2,600 times in his career, the most in the history of baseball. But you don't hear about the strikeouts. People remember the home runs. Fall forward. Thomas Edison conducted 1,000 failed experiments. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Because the 1,001st was the light bulb. Fall forward. Now I'm sure in your experiences in school and applying to college and picking your major and deciding what you want to do with life, I'm sure people have told you to make sure you have something to fall back on. Make sure you got something to fall back on, honey. But I never understood that concept, having something to fall back on. If I'm going to fall, I don't want to fall back on anything except my faith. I want to fall forward. I figure at least this way I'll see what I'm going to hit. Fall forward. The point is, every graduate here today has the training and the talent to succeed. But do you have the guts to fail? While it may be frightening, it will also be rewarding. Because the chances you take, the people you meet, the people you love, the faith that you have, that's what's going to define you. Keep working, keep striving, never give up, fall down seven times, get up eight. Ease is a greater threat to progress than hardship. Without commitment, you'll never start, but more importantly, without consistency, you'll never finish. It's not easy, 
If it was easy, there'd be no Kerry Washington. If it was easy, there'd be no Taraji Henson, P. Henson. <laughs> if it were easy, there'd be no Octavia Spencer. But not only that, if it were easy, there'd be no Viola Davis. If it were easy, there'd be no Michael T. Williamson, no Stephen McKinley Henderson, no Russell Hornsby. If it were easy, there'd be no Denzel Washington. So, dreams without goals are just dreams and they ultimately fuel disappointment so have dreams but have goals life goals yearly goals monthly goals daily goals don't confuse movement with progress remember just because you're doing a lot more doesn't mean you're getting a lot more done. In order to achieve your goals, you must apply discipline, which you have already done, and consistency every day, not just on Tuesday and miss a few days. You have to work at it every day. You have to plan every day. You've heard the saying, we don't plan to fail, we fail to plan. Hard work works. Working really hard is what successful people do. What are you going to do with what you have? I'm not talking about how much you have. Some of you are business majors, some of you are theologians, nurses, sociologists. Some of you have money, some of you have patience, some of you have kindness, some of you have love. Some of you have the gift of long-suffering, whatever it is, whatever your gift is. What are you going to do with what you have? And it's not how much you have. It's what you do with what you have. We all have different talents. Some of you will be doctors, some lawyers, some scientists, some educators, some nurses. The most selfish thing you can do in this world is help someone else. Why is it selfish? Because the gratification, the goodness that comes to you, the good feeling, the good feeling that I get from helping others. Nothing's better than that. Well, I have traveled the world. And I have spoke to millions of people. But that's not the most important thing, the success that I had. The most important thing is that what she taught me and what she told me that day has stayed with me since. I've been protected. I've been directed. I've been corrected. I've kept God in my life and has kept me humble. I didn't always stick with him, but he always stuck with me. So stick with him in everything you do. If you think you want to do what you think I've done, then do what I've done. Today is the beginning of the rest of your life, and it can be, it can be very frightening. It's a new world out there. It's a mean world out there. and You only live once. So do what you feel passionate about, passionate about. Take chances. Don't just aspire to make a living. Aspire to make a difference. So I get goosebumps when I listen to that because uh, we were back, actually, we were just in the back of Ed and uh, Pastor Keith, and we were just talking. Um, you ever heard Pastor Keith say, you won't know unless you get your feet wet? 
and it was referring to the Holy Spirit, like people sometimes people hold back, but you won't let you won't know unless you just let go and get your feet wet. Um, and I try to to live my life by that. Um, I had transitioned from the NFL to it took me, I want to say probably five years after playing to really figure out what I want to do. And I was fortunate because I had that luxury. Some people don't have that luxury. But it took me five years to figure out, okay, I want, I want, to, I want to do real estate. And within those five years, I had taken up a liking to cooking. Uh, if y'all don't know about the, the, the infamous smoked mac and cheese, uh, or the turkey, the, the deep fried turkeys. Um, I, I, took a, I took a risk. I took a visit to Johnson Wells because I was interested in culinary. Um, jokingly, the wife shut that down because I told her, I, they said I had to live in a dorm. She said, well, we're all moving in. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I, had a, I had a favorite car, 67 Chevelle. It was one of my favorite cars growing, I mean, growing up. Uh, I sent my father and my uncle, who's a mechanic, in 2001, my rookie year, to a, a museum, Hampstead, Texas, to buy this Chevelle I seen online. They come back with a 64 Ford Galaxy 500. I don't know. I'm like, whose car is this, mine's or y'all's? So I end up, September 2016, I bought a Chevelle, sight unseen. Blairsville, Georgia. I paid the tow truck company to go get it. I didn't even see it. The guy that I bought it from was a pastor, and uh, they gave him, uh, he said he was selling it. I asked him why he was selling it. And he said, uh, doctors gave him three months to live, and he wanted to buy an RV to travel the world. I bought this car, sight unseen, 2016. 2019, December 11, 2019, the day before my birthday. I finished that car. No experience in being a mechanic. I know how to change the tire and oil, but I built this car from YouTube and books. Um, just because I have a passion, a drive, that's all you need. You don't have to be, you don't have to be um, born with, you know, there's, there's scientists who's just born with just they're genius. You don't have to be. You don't have to be the fastest. You don't have to be the strongest. You don't have to be the smartest. But if you have a passion and it's in here, like you said, with consistency, is how you finish. I worked on this car every day, every day, and I finished this car. But I'm not just talking about the car I like in life. As Pastor Key would say, you, you think I'm talking about the car, right? <laughs> Um, and interestingly enough, I have conversations with my boys, uh, which I love to do. Like, I just love to, like, hear the feedback because kids are, are bluntly honest. They're bluntly honest. And with my boys, I'm bluntly honest back with them. And it's a respect thing. Um, I, tell my, I tell my kids, this is our, kind of our routine, like, that they can have a basketball game. Uh, baseball game, soccer game, whatever, gymnastics. 
and um, I will watch it. And on the way back, on the car, on the ride back, I'll get the input. I said, and this is where I let them be honest. They can say the coach messed up, or such and such did this, or I didn't do this, or I had a great day at hitting. I was really feeling it. I just give them an opportunity, to, and I set the atmosphere for them just to go ahead and just tell me how you feel. And then after they tell me how they feel, I'll tell them what I see. And, and so I tell my sons that, and my daughter as well, daughters, that I'm going to be honest with you because I'm going to tell you if, you, if you've done great, I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to pump you up. That's, I'm going to do that. But if you're not on par, I'm going to let you know as well. Um, my son really wants to be, really wants to be uh, good in, or great in, ba in baseball, and uh, he's fresh to it. And so he's playing um, travel. So he's not really. Um, he this is his first year of travel ball, and so he knows where he's at, and he knows where he want to be. So as, as his father, it's, it's in between, it's my job to help him get there. So I, t I told him, uh, I said, you want to be great in uh, baseball? He was like, yeah. And I could see it because I watch him. I watch him. And he said, yeah. I said, okay. I said, as your father, I'm going to do what I, I'm going to do my best as possible to get you there, whether it's me working with you or whether outside of my knowledge, whether I, I find an instructor to help you uh, with hitting or fielding or whatever the case may be. But I said, ultimately, it's on you. Uh, we can go to these places and do all these things, but ultimately, it's going to be on you. I said, uh, and I gave him a zap. This is how I got him, y'all. I got him so good. So... I was like, in my eyes, I, I see that you want to be great, but I, I tell them there's more that you can do. So this is where I got them. I said, um, my kids are into the iPads, and, and um, they're into Minecraft, uh, Roblox, uh, Fortnite. So they had this situation happen to be Roblox. So he's really good at Roblox. I said, um, I said, Major, you, you, you're pretty good in Roblox. I, uh, I noticed that. He was like, yeah, yeah, I'm real good. I know all the levels. <laughs> so I said, why is that? And he was like, I play it every day. I was like, exactly. You play it every day. I said, in life, you could do something consistently every day, whether it's cooking, whether it's being a mechanic, whether it's uh, becoming a pastor, um, whether it's video, if you do whatever your passion is every day, for me it was football, every day you can't help but get better. I've never seen anybody do something consistently their whole life and, and was horrible at it. I said, it's just, it, that's the physics of life. Like, this, you can't get worse. So, with that in mind, I said, uh, I, I gave him. Uh, he, he committed to it, and I kind of had to like push it on him too a little bit because as individuals, we only push ourselves so far, but if somebody 
if I'm pushing Pastor Keith in a workout, I don't know how he's feeling, but I know, okay, I can get some more out of you. So we had a commitment. And, uh, and uh, the commitment was, I said, okay, let's chill out on the Fortnite. Let's chill out on the Minecraft. Let's chill out on Roblox. For I'm not taking it away, but I said, let's commit to this baseball. Let's commit to this soccer. Let's commit to this gymnastics. If that's what y'all really want to be, great at. Because I said, if we're going to do this, we just not half-stepping. We got to go all in. And so they agreed. And so instead of taking the iPads away or whatever, we were not doing the games. I said, so now this is what we do. So we're going to practice. And so now on the car rides to school and back from school or on the weekends, instead of watching Roblox or playing on Roblox, I'm like, just, I set them up a YouTube kids account. I said, type in. Um, he types in how to steal. He comes back dead. I know how to steal. First base, I got to take about three, four steps. Second base, I got to take three because of the shortstop and the, and the, uh, the second baseman. I said, okay. I said, okay. So now he's prepared. He can play fast. He can, he can use his, his raw, his natural ability is already there. But now he know what's going on. He can play fast. Um, I took Ace, my oldest son, to, uh, to soccer. And uh, I'm, I could be biased, but I like to b brag on my kids a little bit. And I asked my dad, I was like, my son, and, and Pastor Keith seen him play. Like, he'll just do something. He'll be going along. The game could be going along. Basketball. Ace is 11. He jumps so high, like, he almost, to get a rebound, I promise you not, like his hands touch, all like it's up there by the net. And he's 11. I was like, did y'all see that? Or in soccer, he could be running. It could be a guy right there at that speaker running to the goal. He will run him down, take the ball, and outrun everybody the other way. I was like, dad. Now, I was fast growing up, but at that age, was Ace fast, as fast as me because he threw some stuff that I have never seen before. And uh, he's like, yeah, he's just as fast. But what brings me gratification and, and joy and so much happiness is that um, when he mentioned in the video, helping others. It's not about how much, how much you got. It's what you do, with, really what you do with what you have. And as a father, um, I need to do like what with my knowledge and experience. I need to to really pour into them, not just my kids, but but anybody, any kids. Um, and I was I was so I got goosebumps when I listened to this, and I get goosebumps when I just listened to my son, my uh, my kids and my son. He said uh, I took him to practice. He got in, got in the van, and was like, Dad. Just like this, I'm turning over a new leaf. I'm in the car like, what is you talking about, a new leaf? <laughs> what trials and tribulations you done been through? <laughs> so I said, uh, okay, what you talking about? He said, I want to be great in soccer. I said, okay. 
He said, I'm setting my alarm for 5.30 in the morning. And this was like, this might have been about three weeks ago. So I said, okay. So his thing, he liked pancakes. So he said, set this alarm. He's going to practice soccer and then make him some pancakes and get ready for school. And I was like, Deja, I had a flashback right there because this was the same thing that I did growing up. Same exact thing. So I hit I wake up. Well, actually, I didn't even wake up. I said, let me see what he do. So he set the alarm. I could hear his Alexa going off. So I got up. I got my workout in with him. He's down there going through his soccer. I fixed his breakfast for him. Uh, Major gets up. He really didn't volunteer because Major's a little, he got a different personality. But I was like, all right, Major, you got to get up too now. So he gets up. He go downstairs, and he start hitting it to the net, hitting it to the net. Like those things, I get so much gratification. He don't even have to be a professional basketball, baseball, soccer, just to have that mentality that whatever it is that you're passionate about, you can't have step. You got to go all in because you don't want to look back and be like, man, I wish I would have did this when I had the opportunity. Like the time is right now to tell you, and it's not even too late. I, um, like I said earlier, I was transitioning into the NFL, trying to figure out so what I wanted to do. Uh, I was cooking. I thought I wanted to be a chef. Uh, I built a car. I thought I wanted to be a mechanic or own a shop or just work on cars. Um, and then came to real estate. No experience at all. I bought, bought a, um, ended up buying an a, a apartment complex. Something like 12 units. And my wife was like, you don't ever want to crawl. You just want to run into stuff. I'm just like, well, you don't ever want to crawl before you walk. You just want to run into stuff. And I was like, well, babe, I, you never going to know. Like, the time is now. I might as well do it while I can. So that's how, that's what I things I think about. I've never been fearless. I mean, scared to do anything. You know, I'm not scared to, like I said, I'm not scared to fail because you learn so much more sometimes through failure than you, through, than you uh, do through victory. So that's all I really have, and I just wanted to share those experiences, and I hope that somebody had touched somebody and that we got something from this. So thank you. Thank you.